Welcome to For Fox Sake, my name is Pete Selby and alongside me over the airways from Buckinghamshire over to Sheffieldshire, it's Rob Hayes. It's Yorkshire, not Sheffieldshire. I know it is, but you know. I I know. How are you? Good? Yes, very good, very good. I've uh, just recovered from a a, a double filling at the dentist, so uh, which was all good, went very well, Um, although I think a bit is actually just fun out so we'll, anyway that that's uh no one needs to really know about that because it's not very nice talking about that sort of thing because leicester are on a bit of a high but i'm on a bit of a high because of that are you on a bit of a high rob because of that or because you're going away well i'm on a bit of a high <laughs> because of that but also yes i am counting down the days i've got four days left at work we finish a week earlier than the leicester schools up here in sheffield for easter and I am off to 35 degree heat in Egypt. I might not make it back alive. Oh. Whether that's the all-inclusive or whether that's the sun that, that does for me, I don't know. But, yeah, I'm very much looking forward to it. Jeez, I forgot about that. When you when you kind of sold me off air. Oh, yeah. You're, you, you are going to melt. <laughs> yeah, I think I might actually melt, yeah. The, I, think the, I think the anti-melting uh, device is going to be to drink copious amounts of all-inclusive lager. Hang on, hang on a minute, hang on a minute. Why, with the greatest respect to Mrs. Rob, why are you going there? Because I've seen how you react in the sun, and it's n- not very well. And in fact, that's that's an underestimate. It's It's dreadful. Yeah, well, it's not usually 35 degrees at this time of year. It's it's normally sort of mid to late 20s, but it's unseasonably hot, which is, you know, it's almost like they've got out the fanfare just for me. <laughs> it didn't cross my mind when you mentioned it earlier, but now, oh my word. Oh, Jesus. Anyway, right, yeah. Oh, Christ, look after yourself, bloody hell. Anyway, Leicester, let's talk about some football, because um, just looking actually at the, uh, at, at the form uh, that Leicester are in, it's something which... I use quite a lot, obviously, in, in, in my job and that. You know, it's easy to look at a League Two side and you see, you know, three wins out of five, all have won the last two. But you, you go back to the game against, um, well, we'll say Randers, the, the game away at Randers, which was, you know, a relatively simple win. Um, you win against Burnley, you win against Leeds, you win against Wren, you lose to Arsenal, which kind of was on the cards because of the team picked etc but it wasn't like a big turning over it was a kind of yeah let's move on and then you get the result in Wren yes it was a defeat but you've gone through and then you beat Brentford it's it's a good run for Leicester with the players coming back etc and it gives quite a lot of optimism to, for the end of the season and that's kind of the the subject really of the podcast we'll talk about the Wren and the Brentford game kind of mixed into one and, and look forward as well But it is optimistic because on this episode 199, 200 coming up soon, we, um, it's, it's not like we, we we will never say told you so, but it's a, it's a kind of look, those who were panicking and those who were calling for the head of the manager, 
again, everyone's got an opinion, absolutely fine, no problem. But we were just holding back here saying, look, you know, look at the bigger picture. Players are missing, etc., etc., etc. They're not playing too badly. Let's just wait for this run of results because this is going to be critical. It could go either way. It's gone in our favour. A fantastic result against Wren. Quality side. They they were quality, weren't they? At home, in a in a really good atmosphere, good side. And you could see at the end of the game, they were really, really annoyed that they've lost that and they've gone out. Because this was not a side annoyed that they've lost to Leicester. This was not a side who were annoyed because they've been beaten by a team that they've thought were inferior. This is a side who have lost and are out of a tournament. They thought they could easily win, or, or at least go very close to winning. And I don't see any reason why, if they beat Leicester, then they wouldn't have been one of the favourites, if not the, to go and, and win the tournament. So it's a really, really top result. And then you throw in Little Wes's performance, which was fantastic, and then you throw in... The way that they, yes, hung on slightly, but the defensive rearguard action in the final, what, eight minutes of added time, the save blocks by the likes of Vestergaard, it was just a fantastic European result and now sets up the next uh, the next round against PSV. Yeah, I think it was everything that I did not expect the Europa Conference League to offer, the, the two legs against Ren, because first of all, it was played against uh, opposite... Uh, an, I know, I know, I know, but I was very pessimistic about it, uh, as has been well documented on this podcast, and I didn't expect to, I don't know why I really didn't look into it in enough detail, and clearly Brendan Rodgers didn't either, but I don't know why I didn't expect to see this kind of calibre of opponent in the tournament, especially as the fact that we obviously got to skip the group stages by virtue of our Europa League campaign. You know, it, it's it was quite obvious actually in hindsight that, that, that there were going to be some good teams in there, and Ren are obviously going very well in the French league, um, very dangerous opponents, and what happened in that in in those two legs were were two proper European knockout ties with great atmospheres, um, and some memorable moments for Leicester really. I mean, say what you want about the 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 caliber of the trophy itself uh, and whether you think or don't think that Europe should have a third tier competition but Leicester were made to work very hard against a very good side who as you said Pete were were disappointed not to go through not because they expected to beat Leicester but because they thought they had a real shot at winning the tournament and that shows that winning that tournament actually meant something to those players and obviously it gives you um, a path back into Europe if you're not going to achieve that domestically, which I think is it is really what, what Leicester's main focus is in terms of that competition. But also, Wren aren't exactly European powerhouses, so it offers a, an opportunity to prove that they are um, able to compete with, with similarly uh, matched teams across the continent and come out victorious. That, that was obviously their aim. You know, nobody's going to be in that tournament to lose it. I thought it might be a few sort of unnecessary additional games towards the the business end of the season, as it were. But actually, it turned out that that what it 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 will hopefully prove to do is one galvanize and motivate the team and the players and the and the supporters for the for the remainder of the season. Uh, but also, as you said, it, it offered an opportunity for for someone like Wesley Fofana to come back and get some minutes. 
uh, and really make an impact at both ends. I, I think he was absolutely outstanding, considering the the lack of football that he's had, the amount of time that he's been out, um, the the desire that he has to attack a ball on the ground or in the air is is really you know you almost forget how good he was before before his injury. His his power and his you know his 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 ability to to beat an attacker when he's defending, but also beat his man when he's when he's attacking. He won loads in both boxes, the like of which we've not seen from a centre back at Leicester City this season. So to have him back was an added bonus. But to to, to progress to now what looks like a proper. European quarterfinal against PSV who've been around the block you know they've been knocking around European competition for a long time they're a well-established club on the continent um it's actually something really to look forward to not to bemoan and I think that's helped by the fact that we are seeing these faces returning to the squad I mean I'm a I'm a great believer in you get to the latter stage of any tournament it suddenly becomes a major tournament. If you get to the latter stages of a, a competition that's been derided by by you or fans all the way up until, say, the quarterfinals, and then all of a sudden you find yourself in the quarterfinals and it becomes actually very important. The League Cup for Liverpool, all of a sudden, when they got to the semi-final slash then final and win it, it becomes a, a major trophy that they're actually bothered about. I think that's what's happened with this competition. And the effect that it will have on clubs qualifying for it, first of all, let's think of the main people, the fans. It gives clubs like Leicester and our fans the ability to then travel abroad and watch because obviously with what's happened in the last couple of years, it's been sod's law really, the fact that we've had a brilliant couple of years but we've not been able really until this season to go and watch Leicester in Europe. But then you look at the clubs who will be banging around this kind of tournament over the next year or so just throw in say wolves into the conversation and they'll be looking at this going well we'll we'll enter that because we could possibly go far and win it our fans can then go and watch our team abroad you look at maybe a surprise side who maybe could like Leeds last year for example could have maybe qualified for it for example that could have been a, a, a brilliant trip for those fans but then when you get a club like Tottenham who are in this competition then I can understand, and it might, and it doesn't. It's, I'm not saying that because we're a smaller club and all that sort of argument. But Tottenham have been in the Champions League final in the last few years, so them being in this competition, I can completely understand why their fans kind of turn their nose up big time. But for us, why not? Why not be in this sort of competition? And again, you get to the quarterfinal of any cup, you're going to take it very seriously. And I thought it was a tremendous win overall. I thought. Fafana was fantastic for a first game back to do to do what he did basically from the start I, I was very surprised he started but he's instantly and you're going to be comparing to other players in his position so you're comparing him to an Armati you're comparing him to a Soyuncu both of which by the way in let's face it in the last six weeks or so have played very well haven't they they really have um, it might be because they've played together and they're just getting used to being um, with each other at the back and learning of what the strengths and weaknesses of each other are. Communication, I'd imagine, would be quite a bit of an issue between the pair. Maybe that's just working out now. But they have played well. And he played alongside Amati, did uh, Fafana. Instantly, the athleticism was there. Quicker 
by a million miles compared to what we've seen at centre-half all season. Um, I agree with you, winning things in the air, um, which is part of his game which will always develop because of his age and his size, etc. He's going to get stronger and stronger and he was fantastic in the air um, and he had to deal with a lot. Attacking-wise, um, we've been very disappointing from from set plays going forward with the likes of Amati grabbing the old goal here, but not, nothing really. And and Soyuncu, I, I thought when Soyuncu scored against, I'm going to go back to Crystal Palace. And I remember that because I think if you go back to the time when we won at Palace, when we were absolutely flying, Soyuncu scored. Um, and we were, um, I remember him being 66 to 1. And, um, and he bagged. And I, I was thinking he should be a player should really score quite often for Leicester. Very um, very direct in his attacking a ball at the back. You know, how many times have we seen him go through an opponent? Very, um, you say, clumsy, but he is all for the ball when he really goes for it. Well, surely that's a benefit when he's going forward from a corner. He should be the one player thinking he's going to run through players to get on the end of that ball. But it's just never really worked out from an attacking sense. Anyway... Wes comes in instantly, bit of strength, get rid of his marker, bit of speed to then keep clear of his marker. Greatly, great header as well. Fantastic goal. And talk about a display and then underlined by a goal to really kind of write the headlines. But there was much more to the performance than that. I mean, you look at nine yellow cards in the game, loads of injury time. I thought Vestergaard, who came on towards the end, I thought he was fantastic. A number of really good blocks at the end glaring the ball as well with his head uh, essentially doing the job which we thought he would be doing obviously you look back at the, the West Ham game where it kind of went wrong um, Schmeichel making a brilliant save and also let's face it in the last after the first part of the season possibly one of his poorer halves of a season I'd say for Leicester in, in recent years especially quietly Schmeichel has been exceptional I think in the last again let's say a couple of months he's been Brilliant, really has been outstanding. Again, against uh, Brentford as well, making some superb saves. Uh, a really good save late on. Classic Schmeichel, you might say. Um, making that one save, which has kept Leicester in it. And um, yeah, fantastic. And by all accounts, um, a really good away day as well. Yeah, well, that's the kind of moments that Schmeichel lives for, isn't it? He's, he's obviously, he obviously brings a lot to the dressing room. He is the club captain, vice captain under Wes Morgan for a long time as well. He's a very vocal member of the team um, and he's the first to call any player out or, or any or, or sort of the group of players as a, as a whole if they're underperforming. Um, but what we hadn't seen from him, as you said, largely in the first half of the season is those match-defining moments. You know, he, he always talks a good game. He is always completely passionate. You, you absolutely know that. Um, and obviously, he's been one of the best goalkeepers that we've ever had at the football club. And one of our longest serving players. So you accept all of those things, but it's those match winning moments that have been lacking a little bit. And, you know, goalkeepers don't always get the, the same amount of praise as a 20 goal a season striker, but they are that important at the other end. Of course they are. And the, the, it's no surprise that Schmeichel's upturn in form has coincided with clean sheets against Leeds, 
Burnley, uh, Wren in the first leg, um, and, and then uh, and then obviously keeping out Wren. Um, well, obviously conceding two, but keeping them out in, enough so that we could go through an aggregate. Um, doing the same against Brentford, who were who were threatening a late push with the, with the late um, consolation as it was, but it, he that extra element, that extra moment of magic that makes him one of the most consistent and one of the best Premier League goalkeepers uh, around. Still, I think it, it is those moments, and and he's produced plenty of them in the last, like you say, a couple of months, five six games. And you've said there as well, Amati Suyuncu, their performance levels have in, improved as well. And, you know, it could all come from the confidence of that one clean sheet because it gives you a platform, then you build another one, then you build another one, and, and all of a sudden you actually think, you know what, we are, we have got that extra 5% in us to put our bodies on the line, to, to win that ball, to make that block, to make that match-winning save. And they've all come up with moments like that even big Yannick Vestergaard got involved in it against Wren. So he he's kind of it's passing on to him. It's kind of flooding back through them. And then to have three of our first-choice defenders making um, returns from injury within the last couple of weeks as well actually gives us, hopefully, a a solid foundation, starting right with an informed Kasper Schmeichel to, to go on and, and believe that we can win... Um, plenty and, and most of the matches that we've got to play between now and the end of the season. Just to bring things down with the old Vestergaard, did you see him against uh, the Netherlands the other day? It was. Um, I didn't, but I'm sure you're probably not going to tell me that he was as good as he was in those last 10 minutes against Wren. First of all, we have, by the way, the first two choice goalkeepers for Denmark. Iverson um, was on the bench and obviously Schmeichel and goal. Now, it was it was really funny because that that evening there was a number of games. It was the evening of of England, obviously, uh, against Switzerland. But um, but all the other games in the evening, every goal that went in was a player who was at some point in their career associated with the Premier League. It was amazing. It, I think we counted at one stage there was fourteen goals on the bounce scored in different games, all by a player who was either playing or has played in the Premier League. Anyway, um, and when it came to um, to that game. Uh, he he was amazing for 20 minutes. Real, because they were under pressure, made some amazing blocks, really good tackles, passing the ball. I thought, Crikey, look, you know, where's this player? Then he goes up for a corner and scores. And he's like, here we go. Like, And then after that, the boat turned up. And it was like, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh there he is. And it just got destroyed and he looked terrible. He was, it was amazing for 20 minutes, including the goal. And then, yeah, then it all went horribly wrong. But um, yeah, yeah, it's it. But it's that sort of performance you always hear regarding teams in the Champions League or regarding teams who are going close to win winning a tournament, maybe winning the league when they win ugly. You know, the one nil away win. Oh, that's a great win that is. Or they play terrible at home, but they get a late winner. Leicester in Europe. You look at Leicester's European campaigns so far. You've got the glory of what happened in. 2016-17 all the way through in Champions League fantastic and we all know that but then since then it's been you know rather poor but it's been with the exception of a few players who have got experience for their countries it's been a, a real learning curve and obviously you throw in the manager as well whose overall European record is very poor 
so a, a game like this and a win away at Ren, this is, I mean, talk about experience. If this was a, a computer game and you had experience in Europe, everyone's on about 10 or 15%. After this, it would be way up into the 70s because they would have learned loads from this. How to get through, how to scramble through against a really good side. The home leg as well, let's face it, really good performance, good win. And then to hold on like they did, to scrape through, to scrap through, but with quality as well. They would have learned an awful lot, and it was, it was a really, really good night. With one or two exceptions, you could throw in Wilfred and Didi going off, and more than likely, you'd say, is going to be struggling to play again this season. Um, there's been no official word as yet. Uh, Rogers after the game against Brentford, was very much on the kind of downside. He, he's very... So he's easy to read, but he gives an awful lot away in the way he says things, on purpose, I believe, but without committing any accurate details. So if he's going to be out for, let's say, between two and three months, he will say, yes, it's looking doubtful, it's looking quite bad, really. Mm, yeah, it's going to be struggling, isn't he, for this season? That's That kind of says it all without really giving any full details, no numbers involved. I think as soon as you start saying six weeks, eight weeks, once that comes around and he's not nowhere near the side, people go, well, hang on, we were told eight weeks, eight weeks ago. Why isn't he playing? So he was very downbeat on the chances, but also not quite saying that he's going to be out for six months or so. We still don't know. I don't think there's been any full kind of... um, full details regarding the injury so we'll just hold five because of course it still can look at what happened against Villa in the last game with fans before it all kicked off with the way that James Justin walked off the pitch James Justin walks off and you think well okay he's injured and he's he's, he's maybe just picked up a, a slight strain somewhere and you don't see him for a year um, so these things can happen but you throw in also Albrighton, although Albrighton sounds like he, he might be back in a couple of weeks or, or even actually after the uh, the international break. So apart from the Wilfrid and Didi, a really, really good night. Uh, they played Iheanacho from the start, which is no surprise, Iheanacho, um, rather than Dakar, who who I think had just... I'm not surprised he started against um, ahead of Kalechi. But because we, what we were saying when we played Forest about Clechi Nacho being a lone striker, I still don't think he's a lone striker at all. I, I'd love to see both of them top. Still would like that even now. But um, he, he just looks like he just got slightly lost, hasn't he, Daka? When he's not being given the chances, you play him against um, a weaker European side or even a weaker Premier League side. I'm sure if he started against maybe Brentford, I think you know he could have well have bagged, he could have played well. But he just got found out against some stronger sides when you're being asked to lead the line. Um, and in, and obviously now Kalechi Nacho is ahead of him in the side. No problems with Daka. Uh, uh, you know, I still think we've got obviously a really, really good player there. Vardy, hopefully we'll be back maybe even in, after the international period. But apart from the Ndidi, it, it was fantastic. And then you go on to the home game against Brentford, and you're playing against the side who are flying. They have some really good victories with a centre-forward who's all of a sudden started to score loads of goals in Tony. I think we expected maybe more this season. And he's bagged loads. I know that because he's a Madrid team. But maybe at this time of year, he's all of a sudden started to turn it on because he wants to maybe play away from Brentford. Um, people at work, I know Sport Brentford, have been saying that, saying, well, you know, there you go. He's going to go for a lot of money if he goes. Um 
But they had a full run-up at that game. We, I thought, we looked leggy towards the end. I, 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 No reason why Leicester couldn't have kept a clean sheet in that game. I think if we hadn't played in Europe, it probably would have ended 2-0. And it was just, they started to fade late on, really. You could see that all over the pitch. Um, but overall, another win. Another morale-boosting win with some fantastic goals, Rob. But um, the main news, really, before the game was with the opposition, with Christian Eriksen not being in the side, which was a huge boost because he's been playing fantastically. Scored, what a, an amazing moment the other day, scoring with his first touch back for Denmark. Brilliant goal as well after coming off the bench at half-time. But uh, that's an amazing story and also really well downplayed by him as well. It's like, go and get the ball. Come on, we're going to go back to the halfway line and get another one. Um, you know, no great kind of hysterics or anything. But him missing through COVID, I think it was, wasn't it? Um, was a great boost for Leicester. And I was, as soon as he was out of the side, as soon as that news came through, I was insanely confident about a home win. Yeah, he's been a huge catalyst in in that recent upturning form that you've talked about, Pete, where they've probably uh, just about got enough results and enough points on the board to make sure that they retain their Premier League status. Uh, And he's been a big part of that. Of course he has. Um, Huge, huge moment for for humankind really rather than just football or sport him scoring with his first touch after you know millions of people watched uh, watched him suffering uh, in the euros and but i think that's typical of the way that he's dealt with it overall you know well, he spoke so kind of humbly about everything that's happened and he's not getting carried away with anything he's he's basically saying look i'm grateful to be here um, grateful to still be with my family and then obviously anything else like that's an added bonus and the fact that he's actually managed to make it back to top level professional football making a huge difference to a team in the Premier League who I wouldn't say yeah it's a bit of a chance that they took to be honest with you because obviously he'd been there was some legalities wasn't there some um, small print in the in the Italian league that he couldn't carry on playing for Inter um, but that that particular legal um, statement doesn't necessarily exist in the, in this country in the Premier League, so he could play for Brentford. But it was still a bit of a chance, though, wasn't it, to take on him and and look at the difference he's made and look at the impact that he's had at Denmark with straight away first touch, unbelievable moment for him. I, I tell you one thing, um, and I, I mentioned this to to my dad actually. We both kind of said it at the same time. What a great signing he would be for Leicester because you can't see him playing for Brentford next year. Because his, his level is, is let's face it, it's above Brentford. He stood out like a sore thumb in the last few games. Fitness is improving. The goal against um, the Netherlands. He would be, and Leicester, let's face it, Leicester could afford him. We could pay his wages. Um, whether the top clubs are going to take a chance is the wrong word, but you know what I mean. I, I never It never crossed my mind about him signing for Leicester. He'd also be a free Um I believe he would be a free, wouldn't he? Yeah, because he's on—is he on loan there? I'm not quite sure. No, he's, he's on a six-month contract or, or like to the end of the season. So yeah, he would. We'd be able to pick him up for no transfer. No fee, transfer yeah. fee, and also what a, a dead ball specialist, you know, from corners, etc. Um, I'm sure would easily play alongside players going for. But also in, in terms of a squad as well, you look at maybe Schmeichel would be an influence there as well. I, uh, mm, I it never crossed my mind, and then when we were talking about him, saying what a bonus it was him not playing, all of a sudden we both kind of went, he'd be a really good signing for Leicester. And and the more I think about it, 
that would that would, he would be a top level signing for us. And it might be a case where Leicester sign him on on something short term as well, maybe a one season deal, um, because maybe he thinks that he's still got something in the tank to to go and play for one of those big elite European clubs again. But uh, like you say, a few months at Brentford uh, and a, a wonder goal and a massive moment for for Denmark is that going to be enough to convince those top top teams this summer? Maybe not. Uh, I think it would probably rest on Leicester playing in the Europa League, if I'm honest, because there would be other teams interested, I'm sure, that are playing in European competition, which I think will probably tempt Ericsson a little bit more. Um, but I, I don't think it's out of our reach, certainly not. And, and as you say there, if, if you're saying, look at this, what a bonus, he's not in the Brentford team, then also you'd look at him in a, in a, a Leicester shirt and say, what a bonus that we've got him in our team. So yeah, he's, uh, although it is only March, is definitely one to to be thinking about as a as a prospective signing for Leicester. Particularly if you're looking at the fact that Tielemans is probably on his way. I know they're not exactly the the very same type of midfielder, but he offers many of the the qualities that Tielemans does. So that's um, certainly one I'm sure that that Leicester will be at least having a think about as they as they plan their summer transfer. Uh, movements um, just on the midfield while we're there and Didi yeah, being out from like you say reading between the lines it, it's unlikely that we'll see him in a Leicester shirt anytime soon if at all for the rest of the season but again how many times has Papi Mendy just reappeared from absolutely nowhere uh, and offered a really good level in the in the middle of the park for Leicester City, uh, the the sprayed ball out to the left hand side in the build up to the Castagna goal uh, against Brentford, which was an absolute screamer. By the way, how surprised did Castagna look that he'd actually hit that ball into the into the top corner? And he said in his interviews after that he's he's never even done it in training, let alone in, in a competitive match. But Mendy, I think previously I I, I sort of was a bit. Um, uh, unconvinced in terms of his ability on the ball. He, he He's busy, he gets around, he, he holds that central position at the base of the midfield very well. He's very diligent in that respect. Um, but I always thought that he looked a little bit sort of uncomfortable carrying the ball and, and playing the ball. And, and I'm sure I've said on a podcast before that it, at times it looks like he's a little kid playing with a massive beach ball that's a bit too big for him. Um, but no such... Uh, sights when he was playing for Senegal and obviously he's just got his he's, he's back in his groove having not played much football at all in the first half of the season he's going to be such an important player for us and 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 not more so than the, the fact that Brendan Rodgers said that he's how disappointed he is that that he can't play in Europe obviously because now indeed he's not there as well you're gonna to have to play somebody like Hamza Chowdhury at, at the base of that midfield unless you want to play um, as Leicester sort of went to late on in the, in I think it was the Ren game where um, Tielemans played with Dewsby Hall as two sort of conventional central midfielders. Really, uh, that that's an option as well. But you know, um, Mendy's going to be absolutely vital to to what Leicester are trying to achieve between now and the end of the season. And and it's very very fortunate that we had room to squeeze him into the Premier League squad. Uh, and we've got an African Cup of Nations winner to replace one of the best defensive midfielders in, in the Premier League in, in Ndidi for as long as he needs to be there. Yeah, he should be revved up to max, really, Mendy. You know, this is his real chance now. You'd imagine he'll be playing week in, week out in the Premier League. I'd, I'd think they'll want to give 
and I know we're saying this with uh, a game before they then play in Europe, but you're right with him not being available. So maybe Chowdhury, who knows, might get some game time against United on next game before, obviously, then the game against PSV, purely just to get maybe a bit of first-team action, unless they're going to go straight in with him at home against PSV. But uh, yeah, it, it is a, a, a real... Um, blow really because if he's playing so well in the Premier League I know we're basing it on one game against Brentford but it's going to be a big loss and and he was really good but again temper that with it being Brentford you know a bit more time in midfield um, the return in Castagna is a real bonus because you are losing heights big time with Ndidi not playing so if you look at the starting lineup against Brentford the back line really I mean Justin's not exactly the tallest but Amati Soyuncu and then you're struggling, aren't you? Castagna in the side adds a bit of height. The rest of the side, Justin, Tielemans, Mendy, Madison, Dewsbury Hall, Barnes and Ian Acho, it's not exactly Land of the Giants. So we could really do with uh, Castagna back. And you'd imagine he might be getting the nod more times than not um, to be starting purely, again, with his height because it's, uh, it is going to be a bit of an issue there. But, uh, yeah, it, it, oh, fantastic goal. Yeah. I, I, I didn't see the goal lie. I wasn't at the game, um, and I was just getting back, and I I saw the second, but the first I, I missed live, which is a real shame. And when it comes up, Castagna, you're thinking, oh, how's he? Was he just gone up for a corner or something, and and all this? And because uh, I was travelling, I didn't um, quite see the starting lineup, etc. So anyway, and, and then when you, you know you see the goal, cry, you know, what a goal! What you know, what a goal! An absolute screamer. Um, to start outside as well. I mean, if it was if it was basically just like an arrow straight in the top corner, fantastic. But for it to start a good foot and a half outside, maybe more of the top corner, and then swerve in, um, yeah, just unsavable, just blockbuster, absolutely fantastic. And then with a, a free kick, which Madison, great free kick, really good free kick. I would slightly question the goalkeeper. Uh, you know, talk about it was only going to go one place and it wasn't exactly struck with a lot of pace, but still very good free kick. So two tremendous goals in, in a game where Leicester in the first half uh, from again, from what I saw after the, uh, after the first goal, they were, they were playing all right. They were playing. Okay. I think they, they were in control completely. Um, that I think they knew who they were playing against. And once they got the two goals, great, fine. Let's just control the game. Uh, second half, I think they were disappointed in the second half. You could hear again Rogers at the end of the game saying they really wanted Leicester to, to kind of kick on, maybe get a third or fourth, but also to control the game, to dictate the play, even if you remain at 2-0, but at least you're in control of the game. That wasn't the case at all. And they took their foot off the gas, but still didn't control the game. And it was then with Brentford, who had a few opportunities, a good save by Schmeichel. They ended up getting the goal and and then making it a little bit you know, tense at the end. It's always going to be when it's one goal. Who knows, a slip here or a mistake there or one flies in the top corner. It, it can uh, it can all change. But it was relatively comfortable overall. But um, I think you can slightly let them off. I mean, I'm, I'm one of those who you look at what they've done before and you think, well, hang on, you know, these are professional athletes. Are they tied, etc.? But when you've played away in Europe, I know it's only northern France, but that game on Thursday, would that still have been in their legs come Sunday in the Premier League? Yeah, at two o'clock, surely. In the second half, that would have made an effect in the last 20 minutes. So 
I would easily just put my hands in the air and go, yeah, fine, no worries, 2-1. And I think most Leicester fans will. But two fantastic goals and just a, a great way to go into uh, into the international period. A chance then for more players to come back. I think one of the biggest cheers and the biggest kind of highlights of a game where you've got two tremendous goals yet was a substitution and coming onto the pitch a certain defender that we've been lacking for an awful long time Johnny Evans after 64 minutes making an appearance um, that's well I I was surprised to see him there oh by the way Samaro uh, came on as well who could easily be the, the guy to play in defensive midfield in the uh, in Europe as well um, rather than uh, Chowdhury but um, who who maybe get that spot he might get that spot ahead of Mendy who knows against United again just to get a bit of a um, a bit of match practice in or more match practice than he's had recently uh, but yeah Evans coming off the bench and then he's played for Northern Ireland or he's played a, a, a fair bit for Northern Ireland which this time around I'm actually quite glad because I think he needs the games I think gone are the days where oh yeah we're wrapping him in cotton wool and all that sort of thing at the moment in his career with his injury I think it's a case of prove you can actually play football again prove you your body can live up to the the rigours of actually playing because we know that his injury can flare up at any moment and that's not during games that's in training or whatever so I've got no problem with him playing for Northern Ireland I think it's going to be a benefit huge player to come back for us isn't he we're obviously talking about Fafana the the protégé if you like the the exciting young talent uh, but Johnny Evans makes everybody around him so much better so much calmer um, and he's the kind of player that, that Leicester have been sorely, sorely missing in, in, in terms of games like this against Brentford, you know, where um, where you need to see the game out. Yeah, OK, Leicester didn't play it particularly well um, in the second half, like you say, leggy, n- naturally. Uh, a lot has gone into the the victories and the aggregate victory that have happened recently, a lot of, you can see a lot of work has gone into Leicester improving overall. But do you, you know, the, the Leicester-Brentford game, that's that's a game where Leicester dropped two points earlier on in the season for me. Absolutely no question. But the, the mentality of this team has changed ever so slightly. I don't think it's anywhere near the heights that it has been in previous seasons under Brendan Rodgers, but that's understandable. But I think having players like... Fafana, Evans, Castagna back. Having players like Schmeichel hitting top form again. Madison doing exactly the same. And and then that being sort of G'd up by the fact that Ian Acho is constantly coming into the team and doing a great job. Mendy does the same. Jewsbury Hall has been a breath of fresh air in there. Barnes is finding his form again. Everything that hasn't clicked at any point really during the season for any prolonged period of time all seems to be just slotting back in at a moment that that really could make a difference to our season. You know, it's not like this is happening with two or three Premier League games to go and your fate's already been decided. You know exactly where you're going to finish. The games don't really mean anything um, and you're kind of limping over the line. Uh, it is There is still an awful lot to play for. And, and Johnny Evans coming through that, that those minutes for Leicester coming through those moments uh, that those minutes for northern ireland he could have such a huge impact on our season still despite the fact that we've rarely seen him in a leicester shirt same with fafana uh, same with justin 
uh, and Castagna's been in and out, Ricardo's been in and out, you know, and it, it's it's been such a, a difficult season defensively. But now you've got Amati and Soyuncu who are looking steadier than they ever have done, or, or certainly as a partnership. So it, it's providing that, that foundation. And even if we do have to manage Evans between now and the end of the season, and you, I think it's going to take him a little while to get back to playing 90 minutes midweek and 90 minutes at the weekend. So you pick and choose the games that he plays in. You pick and choose which defensive partner you want to put him with and which you want to put Fafana with. Or do you want to put them two together and keep Amati and Suunchu, who are looking more steady? Um, you've got four first-choice centre-backs to choose from there, really. Uh, and 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 that is a huge bonus because Johnny Evans is probably one of Leicester's best ever signings in terms of value for money. And I really, really hope that at his age, with the injuries that he's had, the niggling ones, like you say, the ones that you never know whether they're there or not in the background, I really hope that he can rediscover the level that he previously has in a Leicester shirt and that he's still got, let's say, end of this season and one more season in at the very top level in it for, for Leicester's sake. Absolutely. And it's... It's more. It, it's more than just his performance winning the ball. It's more than his performance heading the ball away from a corner. It's what we've been lacking. You, you can't have people reference the spine of the side. It's, it's absolutely crucial. It, it's completely right. It's one of those those football terms which gets banded around a lot, and most kind of loose football terms like that um, sometimes are quite meaningless, but having a spine of a side is is absolutely crucial and we just haven't had that this season and it's had an effect on other players you look at the performances of Yuri Tillemans you may think it's because of contractual discussions and and unsettlement could well be but I I just think a lot of it and especially obviously our defensive structure is because of the lack of someone like Johnny Evans when you've got a headless chicken in Soyuncu and let's face it, when he's playing well, he still is a headless chicken, but he's a he's a, a slightly more controlled headless chicken. But and and those two at the back being so sloppy again up until now, up, up until the last few weeks where they've been you know really have been quite good. There's just been no basis for this side to then start going forward. There's been no control, and that's when we have the ball as well as the opposition. Let alone being dreadful at set plays, it's been. The case of when you've got the ball in midfield, playing it back to the defence, playing it back to Johnny Evans, slow things down, get in position, knowing that you've got someone who's not going to make a dreadful error. With the greatest will in the world, Daniel Almaty with the ball is a complete liability. Get him at centre half, get him in a. Look, look what happens when <laughs> when they bring on uh, Johnny Evans and Almaty then all of a sudden has um, a little bit of dalliance with the ball. It's. It just shows you, doesn't it? He he he. Would then gives the ball away, makes an error, and and then they score the they score their goal. Yeah, good finish in the end. But uh, he, he's that's what he's there for. I mean, you were never going to play Wes Morgan in the middle of the park, were you? But everyone had their everyone's got their weak points. His weak point, unfortunately, is is kind of football <laughs> with with the ball. Um, get him at centre half, fine. We know what he can do. But um, but Evans, he, he just has that calming influence on, on everyone. The midfield, especially those like Yuri Tillemans, who will pick the ball off the centre-halves 
and and then start the attack. Positional wise, Soyuncu is just twice the player. More, in fact, more than twice the player when he's playing alongside Johnny Evans, who's telling them what to do and where to stand. It shouldn't be that way. A professional footballer, an international footballer of his age now, should be able to actually know where to stand in various types of play in a professional football match. Unfortunately, I don't think he ever will, but we know what his strengths are. And then you look at someone like Wesley Fofana, who I think in the end, that playing alongside Johnny Evans, who can show you the ropes and all that sort of thing. Yeah, great one in the first year. I don't think for Wesley Fofana, it's going to be long until that's just not needed because he's a very good player. In fact, you can look at the game against Wren, alongside Amati and go, well, actually, he's the man who's telling Amati what to do. And I'm sure Amati would be the first person who turns around and goes, yep, fine, but that, no problem. You know, this guy's class. So his influence spreads through the entire side more than, again, just being that defender. And hopefully, fingers crossed, we've got a, a Johnny Evans back who can actually, and for his own sake, have a career in football again. Because if this went wrong, this is not... I'm going to drop down a league. I've lost a bit of pace or, or whatever. That's not the case. This is a retirement job. This is I cannot play football. So for his own sake, I just hope it's fine. And for Leicester's sake, because when you throw in a few other defenders, he might well turn into the get week in, week out defender again. Fingers crossed, that'd be great. But if not, at least he will be the player who we can call on to play a couple of games here. Uh, maybe even three on the bounce and then needs a break or, or can't play twice a week but can play to a really high level once every you know week or so, once every fortnight. If that's the case, then fine. I mean, if someone like Jimmy Vardy turns into that player, which I imagine he will do in the next couple of years or over the next couple of years, then not a problem. So brilliant that he was back. Again, a real surprise that he was on the bench because I don't think that was flagged up anywhere that he was going to make a return. But we now go into a period of fixtures that look like Manchester United away um, which is always a, a real fun match isn't it you know you're playing at Old Trafford it's away at Man U um, let's go and try and beat them on their own patch the fact that they're a bit of a mess I mean they can still turn teams over when you've got Ronaldo etc who knows but it will be looking forward to that game against PSV uh, a week on Thursday what a game what a great game hopefully everyone's got their tickets or you know if they can go um, I'll be there a really, really top night in prospect. Their fans are going to be mad. Um, we've got the away trip to look forward to. It's going to be very difficult, but you're in the quarterfinal of a European competition. It's going to be difficult whoever you play, and you're playing one of the big boys, knowing that you're going to play one of even the bigger boys in in possibly Roma in the semi-final. So you, how do you think they're going to go about things when it comes to United, though, Rob? Because... I, I think with the the period of time that they've had, the international break, uh, apart from the players who have obviously play, played those uh, international games, uh, I can't imagine there's any reason why Leicester will be looking at the game against United with a view to PSV. I, you've got a Saturday evening game and then you've got a Thursday night game. I, I, I don't think there's any reason to rest players or to to maybe play this player instead of that player with a view to PSV. I just think it's straightforward, United. You play your best team. Yeah, it's got to be because unless there's anything major that comes back from the international break, uh, players fatigued or players with a, with a little knock or something like that, that's the only way that I would consider 
deviating from from what is Leicester's strongest side. Uh, it really does remain to be seen w- how they're going to manage Fafana and Evans in in the coming games. I think they're the only sort of two question marks as to how and when do Leicester get the minutes into those those players. But you've got to go full strength against Manchester United because I think if you if you start uh, tweaking things a little bit as we saw against Arsenal, things just become a little bit disjointed, and Leicester are becoming a more settled side again now. Uh, with the returning players and and with players finding form and 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 finding a system really that fits those form players largely, and I think the way that you're going to go and beat Manchester United is as a as a team because they they are a walking example, and they do a lot of walking a walking example of a team that is reliant heavily upon one of their superstars having a couple of moments of brilliance to win them a football match. They have not won a single game this season from what I've seen through hard work, teamwork, togetherness. And they're basically the opposite of what Leicester City represent. So Leicester need to go there full strength with the players that are healthy, that are confident, that are settled in their place in the side and just outgraft them. There will be moments where Manchester United create something. Of course there will, because they have those uh, those types of players, that calibre of, of superstar, if you like. But Leicester working together, Leicester working for each other, Leicester doing what Leicester do best. There's no reason why we can't go to Old Trafford and get a result, especially if we go full strength. I, I think you've got to be looking at United and PSV and saying to most of the players... You're going to be playing 180 minutes here and and then you can look to the following weekend against Palace if somebody needs a bit of a breather to make sure that you've got everybody uh, full, uh, fully fit, fighting fit, ready for the second leg against against PSV the, the following week. Um, yeah, you've, you've got to approach the United game, put the team out that's going to win the game. You've got to approach PSV and it's going to be very much a very similar team to go out and win the game, uh, with the exception of of where what happens at the anchor of midfield, because Mendy is, as far as I know, the only uh, player that would be unavailable for PSV, barring any kind of knocks from internationals or Manchester United. So you've got to go full strength in both. Um, we proved against Wren the importance of the home leg first, the importance of making that advantage count and giving the the opponent something to chase uh, and i think they've got to got to have their sights set on on getting at least a point at old trafford and hopefully getting a similar result if not exactly the same uh, at home to to psv as they did against ren in the first leg in the last round and also i mean if we we're, we're sticking with the the optimistic kind of look of things and why not we have played substantially less games than those ahead of us. So we're on 27 games played. Directly in front of us are Villa, 29 games played, and then ahead of them Wolves and West Ham, 30 games played. Now, we're on the same points as Villa. So with two games in hand, hopefully we move above them. Now we are then 10 points at the moment off Wolves, 12 points off West Ham. Now, West Ham we know are in Europe and they're in a very similar position to Leicester. Wolves 
uh, I think been very disappointing. I thought they were they were playing some good stuff and maybe even a top four tilt, but uh, that's kind of gone horribly wrong in re- in recent times. So yes, there is a ten point gap, which is an awful one in the Premier League. But with these games in hand that we've got, and then away from Manchester United, we do have quite a, a good run in. Um, it's not without the rounds of possibility that we possibly will be challenging towards the end of the season for maybe a, a European place through the league. That That's still on the cards. I completely agree with you again. Yeah, It's got to be our first team against United. I can't think of any reason. Maybe, again, with probably Mendy will start. Samare may come on during the game again just to get some, some minutes into his leg before the... Um, you know the game in Europe, but we'll, we'll wait and see. Maybe it's just the plan. Look, get yourself ready for the game on Thursday. Uh, no reason whatsoever why other players can't play. I can't see someone like, um, <coughs> excuse me, I can't see anyone any reason why someone like Wes uh, Wesley Fofana can't maybe start then against Manchester United and then again against uh, against uh, PSV on the Thursday. I think by now, we, completely understandable why he didn't play against. Um, Against Burn, uh, against Brentford, um, not a problem there at all. But just on the cards after ninety minutes, a, re- a real hectic, um, not ninety minutes, but performance against uh, Wren. So no surprise he missed out on the Brentford game. I can see him starting against United again, whether it's in the ninety minutes or not. Maybe it's an hour. Maybe it's look, we'll play you for an hour, see how it goes, and then you can start against PSV. Great, and then probably give you a rest against uh, Crystal Palace. That's probably how it would uh, be planned out at the moment I'd imagine there'll be quite a few players the same and depending obviously on the results against PSV yes that game against Palace uh, what two o'clock on the Sunday so again the very similar vibes to against Brentford I'd imagine there'll be plenty of changes um, and that's when you start looking at your likes of uh, obviously Mendy will come back into the side but yeah one or two players may be starting who won't be starting against either United or against PSV. Now, uh, it, it's there's such a such a strange side, Manchester United. Absolutely bang on with when you said about it's depending on their players to do something individually, um, which of course they can. You know, spectacular players, Sancho can all of a sudden just go on a run and and score. We, we've seen. Um, the likes of Ronaldo over the years could just do anything. I mean, look at the the hat trick the other day, and then you look at their defence. It's been a real mess, hasn't it? They brought in Varane, and you thought that might steady the ship. I think the fullbacks have been very poor this year, and of course, our old mate Harry Maguire has had a, a really tough time. Although I think it has been slightly highlighted. He's always going to be because of his fee. And also just because of the, the style of player that he is, he's going to be, when, when he's caught out, it looks, I think, a lot worse than maybe it would be with other players because of his natural size and natural lack of pace. But overall, he's had a, a tough time. And, and during these international periods, you get these conversations arise from social media, etc. Um, and, and don't take this as, as any fact or any possibility because it, it's not that Maguire would come back to Leicester. But... The conversation has gone around of would you have Maguire back at Leicester under what circumstances? It's not going to happen because of the wages he's on, United captain, etc. But first of all, definitely, if it was ever a possibility, absolutely. And um, I've got no problem with him playing for England. I think he's been been fantastic for England over the years as well. 
and um, and a real weapon as well going forward, especially when England only win by you know the old goal here really in the, in the way that they play. But but for United, it's a it's a player who, first of all. I don't think he'll be wanting to see any names like Vardy on the team sheet, and it's a player that we can exploit. We know his weaknesses, but but when it comes to a possible re-signing, I, I would be completely in favour. It'll, it'll be amazing. Again, farcical conversation. It's just make believe. It's not going to happen. But what about you, Rob? Would, would you fancy uh, Mr. Maguire back? Is there a twenty-five million pound centre back there? Yes, absolutely, there is. Would you back him to rediscover his form at a club like Leicester, where he's under less scrutiny and under less pressure and, and you know, he's become a bit of a joke really, hasn't he, in terms of the fact that people are just wanting him to do something wrong or waiting for him to do something wrong. Leicester fans absolutely included. When when Leicester beat United earlier on this season, I have never in my life heard a single player get so much abuse than, than, than Maguire did that game and he was absolutely terrible. He should not have been on the pitch. He wasn't, wasn't fit enough. He wasn't in a position to be playing um, against Leicester in that game. So, I do feel a little bit sorry for him, really. If the opportunity came up, it's not going to happen. It's just, it's very, 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 very unlikely. But is there a £25 million centre-back there? Absolutely there is. Would I take him back for for the money that we sold him for? <laughs> no chance. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, I imagine that, that that fee, Leicester just pay £80 million back for, uh, for Harry Maguire, my word. It's... um. I tell you one thing though. When looking at this game, the one thing I've been thinking about is um, it's Jamie Vardy. It's I've got a sneaky suspicion here. Now, first up, I, I fancy Leicester's chances. I really do. I really like Leicester's chances in this game, and I'm going to plump for a Leicester win. Going to be positive. Um, but I can see maybe because when Vardy was injured, it was a injury that was quickly signposted as being. Um, possibly until the international period, and he might make a comeback then. Now, I don't think we've heard anything since. We know Vardy generally is ahead of the curve when it comes to coming back on timelines of injuries, etc. We know he's fully fit, so there's no problem with him there. And I just wouldn't be surprised if you don't hear anything about Vardy, and then all of a sudden, come, what, 5 o'clock or 4 o'clock on Saturday... We might see a JV nine on the team sheet. What a what a great boost that would be before the European ties against PSV. That, that would be fantastic. I've got a sneaky feeling that Vardy could be the the headline maker. Maybe even off the bench, it'd be fantastic. But I imagine Maguire's face to see Vardy on the team sheet. Oh my word! Um, I'm gonna go for I'm gonna go for a win here for Leicester. I'm gonna go for two one Leicester. I'm gonna be positive. I just think with United again, if they turn up, if they're one of their top players turns up and does something you know crazy and then fine whatever but I just think the way Leicester are playing and also with the fact that there is that gap before the game on Thursday they can concentrate on this game fully and I think the way that I think Barnes the way he's playing and I can just see Leicester's strengths really punishing the weaknesses of Manchester United um and so I'm going to go positive. I'm going to go for a win. And I'm going to go for Mr. Vardy to be the difference maker. That would be very Jamie Vardy, wouldn't it? To to pop back. Even if he doesn't start and comes on for the last 20 and scores the winner. That would be so, so like him. Uh, I, I'm i going to go a little bit more cautious and go for 2-2. Two, two. 
I think there's going to be goals because, like we said, United have got some outstanding individuals. Um, but I think Leicester have also got some talented individuals that, that really complement the squad. As long as Leicester put in a solid team performance and our big players turn up, like your Barnes that you mentioned, uh, like your Madisons, then there's no reason why we can't get goals at Old Trafford as well. But I, I think Leicester have always got a concession of a goal in them. United seem to be able to pull it out of the bag more often than not. That's what's keeping them in the hunt for the top four. Uh, so I'm going for goals galore, 2-2. Two, 2-2 two. Two, two then. So two positive results, 2-2, two, 2-1. Two, two, we'll see what happens on Saturday. Two uh, two outcomes which I'll be very happy with, and I'm sure you listening to this as well will be. Now, when it comes to the podcast, we are very quickly approaching episode 200. In fact, this is episode 199. So the next episode... Uh, will be episode 200 but it won't be because Rob's going to be away we're going to delay that so the next episode will be 199 me and um, Alex Cuthbert at the ground on Thursday for the PSV game we're going to do one of those before then during and after podcasts Uh, and then when Rob returns we'll have the big 200 episode so that's it for the podcast fingers crossed regarding Saturday for the Foxes and it's great actually for a mid-table side to actually still have plenty to look forward to this season who knows we might even creep high up the league and maybe even sneak into Europe that way. Lots and lots to look forward to, including the games in Europe. But we'll be back on For Fox Sake at the King Power on Thursday. Get in contact with the podcast at FFSPod via Twitter, for Fox 8 podcast at gmail.com when it comes to email. And you can find us on Facebook as well. That's it for the podcast. See you next week. Mm-hmm.